Good afternoon. Welcome to the show. This is Quantum Conversations, a podcast produced here at the Joint Quantum Institute. My name is Emily Edwards, and I'll be your host today. Today, we're going to talk about the properties of single photons. A while back, we talked about the photoelectric effect, took a trek through quantum history, and uh, near its birth in the early 20th century, we learned about how Albert Einstein in 1905 described the observations of the photoelectric effect by coming up with this idea that light waves, light energy, can be described as both a wave and a particle, and that particle of light is called a photon. So today we have with us JQI fellow Alan Bigdahl, and he's a scientist at the National Institute of Standards and Technology, an expert in single photon technology, and he's going to tell us about the properties of the photon. We know photons from the sun, when light waves come at us, they warm us up, but what about a single packet of light? How much energy does a single photon have? Uh, in the visible, it contains on the order of 10 to the minus 19 joules. And to give you uh, an idea of what that is in, in more conventional units, if you have a 100-watt light bulb, a 100-watt light bulb uh, of the old style, the uh, Edison light bulb, puts out about 2 watts of uh, light that we can see. So already that uh, should give you an idea of why people are trying to replace the old style Edison incandescent light bulb uh, with something more efficient because already you're losing 98% uh, of the energy. Okay, well that sounds like just a very small amount of energy that a single photon has compared to something we're familiar with, like a light bulb, which you know it's hot when you touch it, or at least the old-fashioned light bulbs are. But once you're in energy units, energy is all the same. It doesn't matter whether it's energy of light. So let's make another comparison, not just to the energy of waves we're familiar with. It's how much energy does a single photon have compared to something else? One watt of light is already on the order of 10 to the 19 photons. So again, the energy 10 to the minus 19. And for comparison, if you take the mass of a mosquito <laughs> and you drop a mosquito, say, about this much, that's four inches or so, the energy that that thing has when it hits the floor, just a couple inches down, is already 10 to the 13 optical photons of energy. So it's essentially a mosquito falling out of bed is 10 trillion photon, optical photons of energy worth. It's a really tiny amount. So in everyday life, it's very hard to see the effect of just a single photon. Okay, so Alan just used that word a trillion. And we hear that when we talk about money, like the national debt. But it's still a really big number. So just to remind people, a trillion is a thousand billion, and a billion is a thousand million. So a trillion is really big. It's like a thousand thousand million. And a million, again, is one with six zeros behind it. That one we know because we all want to be millionaires. But actually, I'd rather be a trillionaire. And so a trillion is a million million. A couple of minutes ago, Alan talked about the mass of a mosquito. So that's about a couple of milligrams, which is 10 to the minus 6 grams. Okay, compare that to a single photon. Uh, how much mass does a single photon have, or does it even have mass? 
A photon has no mass, or at least that's the uh, prevailing view, and people have made uh, measurements to try and measure what the mass would be, and all they can do are come up with limits. They say, well, we've tried to measure uh, the mass of a photon of light, and our tests show that it's uh, less than some very small value, and over time, that small value is getting gotten smaller and smaller. Basically, every test shows that there is no mass that's distinguishable from zero. NIST is in the business of precision measurements and metrology, so tell us what kind of measurements scientists perform in order to know that light carries no mass. The measurements consist of looking at deviations of, of Coulomb's law, which is the attraction of a pair of charges, which goes like an inverse square law and one over the distance between the charges squared. And that square, that value 2, would be a indication of having a mass that was not zero if that 2 were not quite Mm 2. And people have made measurements of that 2 to 10 or 20 or more digits. And everything that they can measure shows that It's two to within experimental uncertainties. Okay, so according to measurements, it's zero with lots of zeros behind it, but can we do an experiment where we get infinity zeros after it? Or is there some fundamental limitation to how well we know something is zero? If a photon had a mass, then it's likely that different wavelengths of light would have a different mass and would travel at different velocities. So now we're talking about light that's not traveling at the speed of light, which is already a little weird. (laughs) But uh, if it had a mass, you would expect, say if somebody sent you a short pulse of light of many colors, that when it got to you, those different colors would arrive at different times and you would see a smearing of that pulse. Like when you hear thunder from uh, a thunderstorm. And when you're close to it, you hear a sharp crack. And when you're far away, it's this low rumble because it's spread out in time. So what do we do? Uh, How do we make measurements of light? One of the ways is to look at a pulse coming from a pulsar many light years away. And so that's a huge distance. You have a chance to see, is there any spreading between here and there? And uh, basically, these put limits of like 10 to the minus 50-ish grams. <laughs> Basically <laughs> zero, 10 to the minus 50? Well, <laughs> yes, and, and actually one, it was, uh, uh, I started sort of looking at this a little bit, and uh, eventually you start running into the other limit, that there's the uncertainty principle that says you can know the uncertainty of one parameter or, or another to a certain level, but you can't know both with high uncertainty, and one of those is to know its energy and the time during which you make the measurement. So the ultimate limit is if we tried to measure the mass of the photon and took the entire age of the universe, you can calculate how well you could measure a mass, and that's some number like 10 to the minus 66 grams. So it's it would be that would be a fundamental limit you couldn't possibly test it better than that and they're already ma- making measurements of 10 to the minus 50 some 
So it's basically massless. It's to the yes, best of our that, knowledge. That's right. <laughs> we, we won't be able to uh, know it exactly because of the uncertainty principle. Okay, so it's really small energy. Uh, like our eyes can't even see a single photon. Or is that Inter- true? Interest. So that's an interesting question. There have been people who have looked to see how sensitive the eye is, whether it can see 1 or 10 or 50. And there have been numbers... Uh, out there that the eye sees might be sensitive to, you know, on the order of 50 or 20, but it's not very well determined. And I have to tell the other story. Okay. A paper from 1929, looking at the sensitivity of the eye where they actually measured it. And in this case, they were measuring the efficiency of a photo detector. In this case, the photo detector were human beings squinting, looking at a green phosphorus screen, looking at flashes, and they would send a flash and ask if they got it, and they would try to calculate what the sensitivity was. And there was this very interesting paragraph in this paper that said, this is the efficiency we got, but they said, this is under normal circumstances, in altered states, the, it was a very nice phrasing that, the you can reduce the resistances by which the uh, nerve impulses flow from the eye to the brain. And it gave as an example, 24 hours starvation. And then it also said that you could achieve that effect much more conveniently through a dose of strychnine, which is uh, rat poison. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, then they did have a note. Said, we would like to point out that this data point, you shouldn't put too much stock into it because it was only repeated once. <laughs> so I, had, I wouldn't want to be the volunteer for that study. I think there was less paperwork in those days. <laughs> and actually, I did some literature uh, trying to understand what would even, why would they even go in that direction. Apparently, uh, way back, Strychnine was considered a performance-enhancing drug. Nobody try this at home. Yeah, <laughs> we do not recommend this. This is not endorsed by In the fact, JQI. We, we recommend you do not try this. So actually, we are out of time, so I'm going to make a break at this point. And we didn't get a chance today to talk about single photon technology, namely how do we see a single photon, how do scientists see it, And so stay tuned for next time because we did actually ask Alan about state-of-the-art technology and how it developed and why single photons are important for quantum information science. This has been Emily Edwards and Quantum Conversation. Thanks. (laughs) 